0: save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an ac pro recharge kit today be a pro with ac pro
1: this is bustin loose baseball with grant and danny
0: interviews analytics and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital
2: this is bustin loose baseball i'm grant paulson danny ruye is back Producer, Darius Dameron, putting everything together for us. So, Danny, why don't we just start? Vacation is in the rearview mirror. The batteries presumably are recharged. Welcome back.
1: Thank you, my friend. It occurred to me yesterday, uh, this is now, we're recording this on Tuesday, August 23rd. On Monday, August 22nd, the Nationals have 39 games remaining. If they won all 39 of their games, they'd still finish under five hundred one of those little milestone moments, nothing changed, nothing significant. It just kind of the math dawned on me that, you know, we were within the 40 game mark and I looked it up and did a couple calculations and yes, they've, no matter what they do, they'll have lost more than they won. Of course, no one's going to win 39 straight games, but just kind of glaring to to see where they are and sort of the last vestiges of how great they were in 2019 and some of their you know previous stars that got us that World Championship are sprinkled around the league. Marquee matchups for Max Scherzer against the Yankees and Juan Soto was uh, you know partly responsible for beating them. Uh, this past weekend for the Padres and the like. It's just, you know, every every so often you face kind of milestones when it comes to sports, life, et cetera, and, and I kind of had one of those when they were off on Monday. But, yeah, generally, man, relaxed, ready to hit the stretch run hard of, of them, you know, finding something, finding we talked about this before, finding some joy somewhere. With this Nationals organization, and it can be prospects, it can be guys that you like coming up to the big leagues, it can be a million different things, but that's the challenge I think for all of us.
2: Yeah, I think what gets difficult is, for many, many years, the Nationals were my therapy, right? They were what I did every night for three plus hours to kind of unplug, the noise of the world went away, and I just sat there, if I was at home, and watched Bob and, and FP or Kevin now, whoever's with him, or I frankly i listen to the radio a lot i'm I'm a big fan of baseball on the radio and Mm -hmm. i think there's a romanticism to it and charlie slows and dave jagger do an amazing job and by the way if you missed my interview with charlie from last week when danny was out go grab that podcast it was the last one we did he was really really good if you missed my interview with cole henry uh last week when he broke the news that he was having thoracic outlet syndrome that's also definitely worth a listen those were our last two podcasts in a three podcast week uh last week so check those interviews out but It used to be that I would sit down and the Nats were kind of my way of unplugging at the end of the day. And it was fun because they were going to win two thirds of the time or so. And they were really good. And you always had a quality start. You know, someone was going six or seven innings and was fun to watch. And, you know, would you get the timely hit that night or not was kind of the question. And it's just not that way anymore. Now watching the games is frustrating and anxiety inducing. Uh, If you're invested in that, your blood is going to heat up when when you're watching and you're seeing bad base running or, you know, guys that just don't hit very often. And I think what's maybe more difficult for me than anything else, Danny, not to be overly dramatic, is for a lot of the guys on the team right now, I have no attachment. I don't really care about them long term, right? I mean, most of these guys will not be here even next year, let alone two years or three years from now when this team is good again. The World Series roster is, is gone. You've got Corbin and Robles, basically, two of the bigger disappointments of the season and of the last couple of years as the the last remaining vestiges of that World Series team. And otherwise, th- there's nobody else. I mean, Doolittle is not healthy is in the clubhouse from time to time. But you, you watch this team and you're a Nationals fan. What is your attachment to like Vargas or, you know, even guys that are fun to watch right now, like Luke Void or, or Joey Manessis or Cesar Hernandez is hitting 300 with 15 hits over the last 12 games. You know, These aren't guys whose jerseys you're buying, who you're excited to necessarily go to the park to see. So it's just a tough time right now.
1: Very well said. I mean, for everybody, you're one of the things I've come to learn about being able to, being fortunate enough to, to have the job that you and I do over the course of, you know, more than a decade now is, is uh, fandom is very personal and what I mean by that is you you internalize it you process it you do it I used to think there was a right way and a wrong way to be a fan right you'd read whatever sports blog about the 10 fan commandments whatever kind of things right it's this this is supposed to be as you said your escape your thing for enjoyment and for me when they were competitive for again the better part of a decade that I got anxiety not because it, it was you know it it they they were bad, but I got it. Like what the an error or a bad executed pitch in the sixth inning was the end of the world, you know. And that juice, that adrenaline, because everything was competitive, everything mattered. Nothing they do right now, this minute, really matters in the grand scheme of things. They're going to finish in last place in this division. I mean, the Marlins, I think, have gone more than a calendar month without scoring four runs in a game, and the Nats are pretty much mathematically eliminated from catching them. I mean, I'm being hyperbolic, but you see the point. So the stress has been removed as kind of the care and, and kind of living and dying with every pitch. But I miss that. I miss that adrenaline. I miss that anxiety. I mean and if you remember, I I can't remember who the player was. But you showed, it was Sean Kelly, it was our, our buddy Sean Kelly, you showed him like a tweet of mine from like an April game where, where Danny Espinosa didn't move a runner-up. You know, and I'm basically like, this is, the apocalypse is upon us, there are four horsemen riding through Georgetown, death, blight, you know, the, the Lord our God will smite us with plagues.
2: You miss that uh, anger and commitment, don't you? Yes!
1: It, jokes Yes! I do. I miss that. I miss relevance because that's what it was. If something matters, then dude, they didn't execute. Now it's like, you know, if Joy Manessis flies out, lays to little riot. It's like, okay, well, what well, time's dinner? You know, it, it's a. Everybody's trying to find their thing to hang on to at this point. And some folks have have kind of tuned out entirely. I understand that. Some folks have, you know, taken to checking minor league box scores and signing up for different accounts and uh, you know, some folks have just are, are, are counting the days till they see Luis Garcia again or, you know, watching every CJ Abrams at bat with great vigor and figuring out how many more innings you're going to see Josiah Gray. Everybody's finding their thing to hang on to. And this market hasn't really done this. This market was was robbed of baseball for the better part of you know not even better part it was thirty years uh, plus, but b- between times where a team was here in our hometown in Washington D.C. and then when they finally came back, and a lot of people aren't used to the undulations of a major league cycle, not just within a season where teams go hot and cold. I mean look at look at the panic going on with the New York Yankees right now, like they're like this is an apocalypse, and Aaron Boone is the man for the moment. Yeah, a team that was profoundly and staggeringly hot for hundred games cooled off for a little while. Bleep happens. Like, it's we'll a little more
2: than that in fairness. They're like the third worst team in baseball well, yeah. since the All-Star. Yeah,
1: League. and they can't score runs. And I bet you they'll end up okay. I bet you they'll be a threat in the playoffs and 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 you know, maybe do some things. They'll come out of it. But the undulations, even within a season, over the course of multiple seasons. Like, this is normal. This happens, right? Teams get great. Teams get bad. Teams try to recover. And sometimes they never do. See the Phillies, who have been basically a 500 team since they won the World Series uh, more than a decade ago. Well,
2: there are some compounding factors, I think, too, in, just in terms of making it a little bit more difficult for Nats fans right now. The last two games against the Padres, you were single-handedly beat by Josh Bell and Juan Soto. Yeah,
1: there are factors that sting a little more.
2: Literally beat by those two guys, right, in that 2-1 to loss the Padres got solo home runs from Soto and from Bell. That was their entire offense. Those are the two guys who are first and second in your stat category for home runs this season. I mean, that that's just not fair. Then the next game, you lose two one again, struggling to hit, struggling to score, and Josh Bell hit a two run home run. I mean, so those three guys, those three homers, rather, from those two guys over two games, you know, single handedly beat you. And that makes it harder. I think also when you look at the NL East standings right now and you see how much fun it is at the top of the division where the Braves are within three of the Mets. And even though the Phillies are 11 back and can't win the division, they have a real good chance to make the playoff. They've cooled off now, lost 6 of 10. But they are 8 games over 500. Uh, Excuse me, they're they're 12 games over 500. Uh, They've been really, really good. And all three of those teams right now are kind of beating up on each other. I was texting a buddy of mine who's on the Phillies and And it was just asking about the clubhouse and what it's like. And they're getting ready for their fantasy football draft. And Kyle Schwarber's making a trade for the number one pick. And I mean, can you imagine just how fun it must be to be in a clubhouse where you're playoff bound potentially and you're on fire? And it's just a bunch of big leaguers who everyone's heard of who are good baseball players. It's what we got used to and probably took for granted for a bunch of years, honestly. Um, So it all makes it a little bit harder.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: But I thought we could kind of get going today by discussing how some of the newer nationals are faring here recently. So let's start with Joey Manessis because he's by far the best story over the last two weeks. 12 games in 15 days for the Nats. Joey Manessis hitting 340 with a nine oh five OPS. Both of those stats lead the team. For his time in the big leagues now, he was called up right at the deadline. 21 hits in 66 at-bats, so he's hitting three eighteen now in almost 70 ABs. Five home runs for him, most on the team since he got called up. A 910 OPS. The 30-year-old rookie waited for a decade for this opportunity. Just going to bed every night, wondering what it ever happened, leaving the minor leagues to go play professionally in another country because after having a bang-up season in AAA, the aforementioned Phillies, didn't even give him a cup of coffee with an average team. And he said, what am I doing here? So he comes back. He's the best player in the minor statistically for the Nats this season. They trade everyone uh, that mattered, that they could get something for, and so do Bell offensively. And it opened up an opportunity for Manessis, whose max exit velocity here this season now is in the 71st percentile. And he's done some really good things. Mostly pull side power. And when he sprays the ball the other way, it's mostly singles, looking at his hit spray chart here. But this is, for me, the best thing going right now. Non-young guy, non-like the, the yeah. players I care about long-term. Just the fun story of the season right now is Joey Manessis getting his shot at 30.
1: Yeah, I, I love stories like this. And this is the you know the occasional reminder of the romanticism of baseball. Right, I mean, they they made an entire movie about it, starring Dennis Quaid, uh, the guy that was a high school baseball coach that all of a sudden threw harder than he ever had, and you know it's very Disney Disneyfied, but you know it makes it to the major leagues, and that debut only like seven or eight people cared about for a uh, you know like a forty one win Tampa Bay Rays team, but just amazing those kinds of stories and those kinds of great things. So a good for Joey Manessis, it, as you said, it's one of the cool things going right now. It Reminds me, honestly, of the Yadia Hernandez thing from a, from a couple seasons ago, where all the guy did was hit. And he never really got a chance, and finally makes a big league roster, and now he's sort of thought of as a a big leaguer, which is really cool once that sort of perception changes, right? Instead of being a a guy that's got the shuttle back and forth between Rochester or Syracuse and your frequent flyer miles and this, that, and the other, he's a major leaguer. It's really cool. Uh, In terms of Manessa specifically, really simple swing. I see it. I get it. I get why this guy is, you know, maybe not as sexy as as some others in terms of, you know, ridiculous power or, or, or anything, you know, prodigious. And of course, he won't keep this up for that much longer. But there's something here. There's a guy that I think can hit at this level. You mentioned pull-side power, takes his base hits the other way, teams will adjust, and you know, it'll, of course, be up to him to, to kind of continue to counter that. But there have been a lot of guys that have made a pretty decent living with that sort of formula, right, where if you, you come in uh, one too many times, so he'll cheat a little bit, open up, and and hit a tank on you. But for the most part, you want to live away, and he'll take his base hits oppo. It, he's been really impressive,
2: man. He has been, and he's not alone in that. I like what I've seen from Ildemaro Vargas as well. I was at his debut at the Nationals. I think it was maybe the day after the trade deadline and he went four for four he's got 13 hits since so that was kind of the the heavy lifting that he did early on but he's hitting 321 with a 777 OPS uh, over 16 games he's now supplanted Michael Franco as the third baseman basically uh, playing day in and day out for this team and he responded you know he gave them more at the plate in his first couple of weeks than they were getting out of Franco than they were getting out of Uh, A. Ray Adrianza, who they traded, obviously. And so Vargas has made the most of his opportunity as well. Maybe not as interesting a story as Manessis, but he's also a guy who's wanted this chance for a while. I mean, he's 31 years old, had been toiling in the minor leagues. You know, This year he did play with the Cubs in 10 big league games, hit about 130 before coming over to Washington. Last year he played for three different teams in the bigs. He played nine games with Chicago, seven games with the Pirates, 18 games with the Diamondbacks. The year before that, he played with three teams in the big leagues in the pandemic season. Diamondbacks, Twins, Cubs. And so he hadn't been able to find a home. You know, he's got 200 big league games, but really only once has he ever played more than 20 or 30 times in a season, mostly as a guy coming off the bench. And so this is his first legitimate chance since coming up as a young ball player in Venezuela, dreaming of being in the big leagues, to play every day. And and he, at least offensively, has made... The most of it. Now, in the case of both Manessis and Vargas, but certainly Vargas, it's hard for me to get overly excited about that, Danny, because where does that get me? You know, it it gets me to the finish line, maybe, with something semi-interesting to watch when I turn on the TV now. He's not here next year, and if he is, that's probably more of a problem than not, frankly. (laughs) I would love for them to do better than Ildemar Vargas, with all due respect. And I'd say the same about Manessis, but... I think there's kind of two plates we can spin here. One, which is you're just trying to get to the finish line here of this terrible season. And if there's you know a 31- or a 30-year-old rookie, uh, in Manessis's case, or there's a 31-year-old finally getting his shot who does okay, like that's fun. I, I'm a human. I, I believe in this game being about people. Like I can get excited for that a little bit. But at the same time, what really matters and what I care more about, obviously, is the young guys. So let's get into some of them. Luis Garcia begins his rehab assignment this week. We have not seen him play with C.J. Abrams because Garcia got hurt. They're going to shift him to second base. Remember, they called up Abrams when Garcia went down because of the vacancy he created at shortstop. Garcia cannot play shortstop this year if nothing else taught us that definitively. We know that his rate of committing errors and problematic plays defensively was just a disaster. And so they'll move him to second and hope he can play there. Uh, I think the jury's maybe even still out on that to be determined, but certainly got a better chance to be a long-term second baseman who can play adequately than shortstop, which is off the table. And so when he comes up after this rehab now uh, with Rochester, he's going to be pairing up the middle, double play tandem with Abrams. And that's the the long-term, hopefully, infield tandem there with Abrams, who's 21 and Luis Garcia, who as of the trade deadline was the eighth youngest player in baseball still uh, and w- is just uh, 22 years old for the Nationals.
1: Still plenty of promise there. I, I you know, the bat to ball we know about with when it comes to Garcia, it's you know it's a matter of growing as an offensive player. I, I, I never expect him to be Juan Soto or you know Albert Pujols in his prime in terms of seeing pitches and walking a ton. But you got to have some. There's got there's got to be enough where a pitcher doesn't it has to throw you a strike to get you out. And too too often he's up there and kind of making a deal where everyone's trying to keep their pitch down and he's just up there hacking and we'll kind of get this a bet over with within within a couple of pitches. He's got to see more baseballs, and I think that's coming. I don't think he'll ever be, again, a prodigious walker. You can hit your way on, certainly, but uh, it's harder than it's ever been to do that with how good pitching has become here in in the major leagues. But defensively, that is the question. I think he can play second. I think he can be... Uh, uh, you know the the ease of that throw where you can be flat footed, you can you can get bailed out by your first baseman here and there. Um, you know, just sort of with the positional analysis that we have in terms of scouting reports and positioning guys and kind of in the right spot. There's just sort of less wear and tear, less grind, less challenge on second baseman maybe than there's ever been. I think the left side of the infield, I think it's harder to play over there than maybe it's ever been. Um, you know, where, where third baseman have to be sort of you know one shortstop you know, .75 of what a shortstop has to do in terms of ranging, and you got to flip to the other side in certain shifts and the like, and shortstops have to range so darn much, so I think he'll be able to play second base at this level. I think his hands are good, and I think, you know, they can simplify things with his feet that you can't really do a shortstop because you have to generate so much there.
2: That's a really good point, though, is if you're a second baseman now, all the shift stuff, which may go away here in the near future, we're going to find that out, but for now, it's probably easier than it's ever been before because you have to cover less ground a lot of the time, and... Yeah, you're getting parked sometimes out in right center like yeah. a softball player. Whereas if you're on the left side of the infield, like third baseman, your job has gotten more difficult. I think so. And shortstop, you basically have to be able to play both sides and, and make a lot of throws and work a lot of angles that are kind of abnormal to the natural shortstop position. So uh, that's that's an interesting way to view it.
1: I mean, and again, n- nobody's saying this is a gold glove caliber second baseman. Robbie Alomar, he is not. I mean, the, the cop that I think of for him, uh, former national Jose Vidro, you know, like, Vidro wasn't winning any range awards. Nobody's, you know, at the end of the season, no sabermetric team is being like, and the league average range factor winner is? It's certainly not going to be Vidro, but bat to ball, I think, was there, and he can sort of play the position and, uh, you know, get a couple room service, two hoppers per game and flip at the first. Working those two guys together, though, Abrams and, um, and, and Garcia, that's going to be really interesting as they kind of grow together. Getting to know your double play partner and tendencies and where you like feeds. I mean, for example... You know, do you want to, as a shortstop, do you like it on the left side as you're coming across the bag? Do you want it there so you can get your shoulders square or do you want to? You know kick out your right foot behind you and take it almost in the middle of your body or toward or towards the right side it all kind of depends and, and guys get to know each other over the the course of days and weeks and months out there uh in the field just kind of figuring out where you like it how you like it etc um, you know when you want backhand flips when you want to turn and throw uh, when you want to underhand stuff when you want to take it yourself all those kind of things and the, the rhythms of those things uh, it's exciting to watch them grow together so I, I cannot wait for Garcia to come back just for those last you know 25 30 games or so of them playing together
2: He can hit and we have seen the- that at the major league level which i think you can put in sharpie now you don't have to worry a whole lot about the bat moving forward because he proved this year that he was big league ready offensively